Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. What's up, Brian? Hey, hey, Bobby. Here we are, Season 10, Episode 2, Filling Your Funnel. Today we're going to talk about creating demand. Last week we were a little all over the map, so we'll do a little bit of a recap and then we'll jump right into the content. So we are specifically omitting the enterprise rep. We mentioned that last week. I'm sure uh, if you're listening, you're disappointed if you're an enterprise rep, but some of these things apply, but we're really trying to make it be for the rep who has got a broader set of customers, meaning more than more than five, more than 20. We're, we're thinking about that inside rep who's maybe got a call sheet with thousands of customers, a territory rep with 250 plus, and a core rep who's got somewhere in that 25 to 50 range of accounts. Um, these are all tactics and ways that we think uh, you, can, you can put into your quiver, per se, and use to help you with your prospecting to fill your funnel. And uh, with that, we're also going to have a book cast out sometime in the next week or two on the book that fuels a lot of this stuff called New Sales Simplified. It's one that I'm a big fan of, uh, one that uh, everybody should read and put into practice. The problem is I think a lot of people might read those things, Brian, and never put the actual work into the effort. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we're all guilty of it. Uh, you get a lot of great um, ideas and nuggets from books. I guess I don't want to go too far off a tangent, Bobby, but how do you, when you read through some of these books, uh, are there any good steps you use to make sure that you uh, act on those nuggets? I have been known to journal a few times. I, I, I If there's something really good, what I do is I put a recurring uh, reminder, yeah. sometimes in my iPhone, sometimes into Trello, but I, I do something to where it becomes hopefully a habit. Um, maybe I would say I put a call, call three people today in regards to an event, uh, reminder every 10 days. And I, I like to not do it weekly. So it's not always happening on the same day yeah. or something like that. If I do 10 days and it's going to get cycled through and, and be at weird times. So it really triggers me to do the effort. Um, but you can't do write a brand new thesis statement uh, and remind yourself every 10 days because you're never going to do the big, big chunks like that. But yeah, if you yeah. can put those little things into it, it definitely, definitely helps. And I think the the key, and mostly we're going to talk about it next week, but it is that you get in a into a habit of always prospecting. Never stop prospecting is the title for next week's episode. And today we're going to talk about creating demand. So, we talked last week about there is no tech and there is no way to automate it. And I got to say, uh, shortly after we recorded that episode, I sat down at a lunch, a uh, business lunch with some people talking about the tech sales show. And they uh, enlightened me that there is actually a piece of technology and a way to automate your prospecting. So I love learning things. I don't know everything. We don't know everything. And uh, I found it pretty interesting, Brian. It's called a, it's called a, it's a product called Outreach. And really what Outreach does from what little they shared with me, uh, and they're not a sponsor, so I can't give too much detail here, but they, they automate some of those initial emails. And okay. what, what I would say I took away from it, uh, they were almost embarrassed by some of the use of it because it is very distant from the engagement of customer and, and, and partner. 
Um, but it just automates things, so you don't know when really it's going to send the note. Uh, then it connect, tries to automate the connection on LinkedIn and goes through a few stages by which it tries to automate your prospecting. It's about as valuable from what I heard as you might think um, and does a lot of what we say you shouldn't do. And just depending on emails uh, is not the best way to go. So today, the first thing we're going to talk about is... What I shared in that lunch when I had it was pick up the phone, right? We've talked about this a number of times. There's different stages in our careers and different customer sets we might have. But what do you, what is your opinion on picking up the phone, Brian, just in general as it relates to prospecting? Well, I think um, it, it depends on obviously what it is you're selling. But let's say there are some products that maybe a customer is always buying more of, right? And you catch, I mean, you've got to pick up the phone because you want to catch him or her at a time to where maybe the your your competitive supplier or whoever it is may be at a weak point, and you can exploit an opportunity to to get in and to have an opportunity to kind of win their business. Uh, or it could be a situation where maybe they buy something once a year or every five years or what you know, a, a smaller increment, and um, it you know picking up the phone, making a call. Maybe you don't catch the exact right person, but it may be the only way you learn of an opportunity or a sales process that's about to kick off for a, uh, you know, for a major opportunity. So I, I think it, it's one of those. I don't. I don't love to do it. I don't know that anybody in our role loves to do it, but it's. Uh, we do know that it's. It's. It can be incredibly effective. That's kind of the piece I was looking for. Was no one loves to do it? You don't love to do yeah. it, even yeah. if you're a seasoned vet and you're good at it. You don't love to do it. There's a. A different dynamic and I think we've all now grown up in a world where we can hide a little bit behind an email and or a text message and or a snapchat or a Facebook post which is a detriment to some of our human interaction um, but I think it is a mechanism by which we still have to have it in our toolbox to use to chase net new customers I think often we we forego those opportunities to build relationships and trust where we do have that meeting. We follow up with email. We highly recommend it a few ways to follow up via email, but you got to follow up with a phone call as well. Just like it makes us nervous, I think it, I think it breaks down some barriers with the customer too. They can't hide behind that email anymore. They can't just hit delete. When the, when you have them on the phone, they've got to respond to some of your stuff, or just be complete jerks. So we we did some stuff about six months ago now, maybe about the power statement and your sales story. We're going to have a special guest on really soon that's going to help you with your sales story and your 15-second pitch. But go back and listen to those episodes. But the next part is, and as it relates to picking up the phone, I don't think people in our shoes are ready to talk once they do get someone on the phone. Uh, I'm predicting, uh, which probably no one cares, but I'm predicting that 90-plus percent of cold calls fail because the rep doesn't know what to say. They don't know how to engage. They haven't practiced and they're taken aback when the customer might ask them a question of some sort. Um, and so you really got to know that pitch and that story. I, I think it even happens before that, too. I think this this job, especially, you know, we're talking to in this in this series more to the inside rep and the territory rep and the core rep. So this maybe applies to the two latter, the territory rep and the core rep. The, the you know this the, the kind of the cool thing about this job is that you can you don't have to work in a traditional office all the time. The downside of that is 
it's very easy to find yourself working in a coffee shop, or at least it is for me, to find yourself working at a coffee shop, you're traveling all the time, you're on the road, and when that cold call pops up on your calendar is, okay, I need to make a couple hours of phone calls here, how easy is it for us to dismiss that because we're at a coffee shop or because we're here or there? It just, I don't know, for me and for, for, for people I know, it that's a very easy way to just kind of dismiss that calendar reminder and outlook and say, oh, I'll do that Wednesday, not today. Good call. I would even say I don't remember the last time I had a work phone. Do you do you remember the last time yes, I had a exactly. work phone? So even even as our businesses want us to call customers, they've really taken the actual headset away from us, handset away from us. Because we hated it. Oh, we did. And we all bitched about it. So they took it away and now we don't know how to make a phone call. Um, now that I say that out loud, that's pretty interesting that we have actually taken that away from our sellers all together um now we've given them all cell phones of course but we know the reasons why that stuff uh isn't getting used and why people aren't making those phone calls just like you said good call out i think it also feels um cheap and maybe that's the wrong word but i think there is there can be a stigma around sales and if if you're the guy making we we all kind of we you and I may get frustrated if someone comes to our door trying to sell us something or get frustrated if someone tries to call us. Um, not to steal any thunder as we as we go through the, the series here, we get, we get frustrated when, when people call us. So I, I think um, there there is that stigma, right, of we're in sales, you make sales phone calls and all that kind of stuff. That's very true. Um, and I think messaging, and I know we'll get kind of get into it as we get into the episode here, the messaging, I think you can take a lot of the stigma out of the phone call by, to your, your point, having a power statement, but just calling with a valuable message and not a stupid salesy message, an actual valuable message that might be intriguing to the other person on the other end of the line. And that valuable message doesn't start with, I get paid for selling this, right? It's more along the lines of people in your industry, people that are like you are struggling with this. I've seen others have this type problem and you fill those gaps. Um, and then I think, uh, you brought it up, but if you can tie someone into your network together, I, I highly coach that often when I'm talking to mentees, right? Go find out who I know. Let's have a follow-up conversation. If you're trying to get in those accounts and I know them, I'll be happy to make a brokered introduction for you. Yeah. That's going to, that's going to save you months of cold calling and cold emailing. Um, because I want to see you be successful and the person that, that you may want to meet might trust me uh, pretty easy to to par or pair that commonality and those people in your network together uh, so that you can get those connections faster than you might just on your own agreed so I, I highly recommend that you call higher most people they gravitate we've we've talked about it bunches about when you're in a room people make eye contact and communicate with people who talk and sound like them Yep. Um, when you call, when you call the storage administrator, uh, you're going, you're going to be talking with someone who has some influence, no question, maybe a lot, but they probably don't own the budget. And I like to talk to that person who owns the budget. So uh, I, we could talk for hours on it, but you need to call higher and you need to be able to speak at that level. Uh, I coach often about calling at different times throughout the day. Uh, I, I've had an executive that made 4 a.m. phone calls to employees. I 
think there was a reason for that, meaning they didn't really want to talk, but they wanted to let you know they were thinking about you. Um, but I think customers nowadays, a lot of customers in Houston, they get to work pre-7 a.m., sometimes 6, even earlier than 6. And if they're sitting there and that phone rings, you've got a real good chance of getting them on the mm-hmm. phone. Um, Curiosity alone, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, who's yeah. this guy or girl calling this me this guy, early? Yeah. Um, or just out of habit, think, you know, they might answer internal calls all day and boom, sit down at 6 a.m., phone rings, they pick it up. Then you got them. The question is, are you yeah. ready to talk to them? Same thing, 6 p.m., 7 p.m. at night, try and call. Uh, I just coached within the last 30 days someone to call at 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night to the customer line on their desk, leave a voicemail, be somewhat uh, intriguing and, and creative. They'll be That'll be the first thing they hear when they get to the office because people still do check their voicemail. Yeah. The other thing that in that same coaching conversation came up was, don't we almost all get our voicemails in our email nowadays? So if you're working late and you get an email from your call system at 8.30 at night and it's got a 20-second little media file on there, pop it open, listen to it, you're doing some demand, Jen. That's what we're talking about today. You're creating demand because you got to say your pitch. They heard it. They might delete it, but at least they heard it one more time. Yeah, and you're one more time comfortable with it too. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I like to email and call at the same time. Hit send on my email and then call at the same time. They see it. The phone's ringing. Even if I leave that voicemail, then I get that double dip uh, with that as well. And then I, I I tell people, leave creative voicemails. Don't just say, hi, I'm your new rep. Let me know when you'd like to meet with me. I get, I get those calls all the time for the businesses that I'm in. Um and and I don't I don't pick up those phone calls. I don't return those messages. So don't just say that. Be be more creative um and try and intrigue the customer to listen a little bit longer than they would uh and then leave that short message. Any other tips for actually picking up the phone, Brian, and making making a phone call? I you touched on it before, but I like the commonality approach. I, I mean two two big things for me. The commonality approach is a big one because Again, it kind of tears away some of the stigma. So, hey, I noticed we went to the same university or we, um, you know, have this similar interest or we follow, we both follow this person that's a, you know, maybe a unique author, not a super common author. Uh, Maybe we're part of the same group or we have a a shared connection. So I love the commonality approach. I just think that, um, I don't know, it, it, it loosens up the conversation a bit. And then my approach remains uh you know really consistent when it comes to the the message for me is is really really important the uh the content of it and you talked about practicing your power statement and i think that depending on what kind of product or wares you're selling um it needs to be somewhat tailored for that customer and they you, maybe you're, you're making an assumption you're not going to nail exactly what it is they're struggling with but you have a hypothetical um solution to a problem you think is occurring uh, and that, that's going to land much more solid than like you said hey I'm your new rep uh, can you meet for lunch on Tuesday um, I think gone are the days of customers are far more educated now they don't need a rep to take them to lunch uh, they want they want and expect some sort of value out of it it's we you know we've had interviews on this this uh, you know last year Bobby about what uh, a director of IT expects uh, from their from an account executive and they want uh, and expect value no question so we've talked a lot about the phone calls uh, pick up the phone people call people um, 
But when you do decide to start targeting your prospects, we, we talked a lot about this last week and stole some of the thunder here, uh, but not all targets are equal. You need to split up your account base, your prospecting list. Uh, you need to always be rotating some customers in and out of that prospecting list if you're able to. It depends on your company and how people assign accounts, etc. But if you think of maybe three segments, and we called them other things last week, but we'll call one one segment the install base. That's the people that do buy and use your stuff. The partial uh, install base, meaning they buy a component or part of what you do or your company does. Maybe you're keenly aware that they bought a competitor's piece too. Um, that might be interesting because you know they, they at least understand some value prop around the solutions you're selling. And then complete white spacer are the non-installed customers uh, that have none of your stuff. If you If you broke those three up, I think you can create prospecting plans for those three buckets. Would you agree, Brian? I would, and I think I'd, I'd add another dimension to this too. I think, I think whether you look at it that way, or maybe you're in the business of a logo hunting, right? So where you maybe maybe you just sell one product, like let's take Mimecast as an example. That's like a, a spam filtering system for email, and, and you you kind of either buy, either have that or you don't. You're either a logo or you're, or you're not. Um, so I think this this is definitely one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is. If you're if you're a logo hunter and you have one product that you sell, break it up very similarly. There, this is a high priority target for me. This is a a reactive. I'm going to invite them to marketing events. Um, but it, I think, <clears throat> pardon me. I think if you have a very a tight focus on those five customers, because it can be overwhelming to look at your list. You know, let's say that you're a territory rep that has 320 accounts. Where do I start? And I think. That's the point I think you're, you're making here, Bobby, and that I'm trying to make is that if you can narrow that list down to a finite, much smaller group of people, it's not as daunting on Tuesday at 3.30 to block off two hours to make phone calls into those five customers that are on the list for today. And to that point, when you do talk to those customers and you start building some synergies as you continue to make calls and prospect, um, if you've done that little bit of effort and whether your logos or or you've broken up into those three categories, you can start making some connections of people that are connected with each other as well. Yes. And then you have great stories to tell. Hey, customer prospect ABC, I noticed that you're friends with Brian Evans or connected with Brian Evans on LinkedIn. Brian is a huge fan of our technology. If you have any questions, he would probably be able to answer a lot of your questions. If I'm not available, they've they've invested heavily into our into our suite of solutions. Yeah, and, and then another pivot on that is, uh, let's say that those five or 12 customers that you're gonna target are on the same industry. You can reuse the exact same message. This is the kind of work we're doing in the tech industry. This is the kind of work we're doing in the retail business. Here are some customer stories and examples. And then you're not having to like make this mental shift from retail to manufacturing, uh, you know, to property and real estate. It, it, you can kind of keep your mind focused. And I, it, it, for me at least, it keeps me more focused and not, having to you know the less i can think about a i'm a mental midget the less i can think about the more i can get done no question whatsoever so a few ways to skin that cat but you gotta break it down into smaller chunks attack those smaller chunks we've said it before you can't eat an elephant one bite we got to take it in small small chunks and start one bite at a time and the way i think you do that is being pretty prescriptive with your time so I'm a huge fan of blocking time every week, if not daily, to spend a little bit of time on prospecting. And 
I don't think there's a, a, a secret formula on what the right number is, but I would say at least blocking 90 minutes where you're really dedicated to prospecting every week uh, is is good, if not if not pretty good in today's world. So maybe two 45-minute segments. Maybe that's three 30-minute segments. Um, that's only 3.75% of a 40-hour work week. So let's assume sales reps work their full 40. Uh, let's assume they might work more than that if they're really gung-ho and not average. But it's less than 4%. Uh, that's nothing. That's a blip on the radar of time that you... I mean, And you are the, the prospecting engine. If you only spend 4% of your time prospecting and the company's expecting you to be that engine, I think you got more in the tank. So really break down your lists, really focus on your targets, pick those targets, and then divide some time out of your daily effort toward and put it towards prospecting and, and be focused on that. I think another thing to think about too, Bobby, is events. Um, you know, th- there are some great, whether it's a, you know, lunch and learn is kind of not what it used to be, of course, but now we have webcasts and m- most companies that are, are kind of challenger sell type companies, or at least appreciate that that marketing approach, are, are kind of drip feeding out different um, different things for the schedule for you to drive events to. So use that as a reason to a call or an opportunity for you to, uh, you know, just make to make that messaging just a little bit easier. Any type of, I don't know, you you said event, but effort, anything going on in the marketplace, anything going on in the industry, I would use that as a reason to reach out, right? The, the, the piece of the call that makes it so difficult is normally you don't have a real good reason to call someone. But if if it's VMworld, as an example in my previous life, um, a big data center sales job where virtualization was key, I would definitely call and say, are you aware of VMworld? Are you sending anybody? Um, and then in some instances there, I could either get a partner to help or I could get my company to help where if there was a, a real account that I wanted to break into, we could sponsor a participant to go to that big event. And that's that's a win-win-win. And people won't ignore that phone call if you're going to give them a free ticket to a big industry event like that. Yeah. And, and this is a good time. I know we kind of joked about it um, before, uh, but... If you have an executive coming in town, let's say a CTO is coming into town, or or some title that your your prospect may find interesting, that's a great opportunity for this as well. But don't just—it's not just because they he or she has a big title. Uh, build a, a quick message around why it might be interesting for them to talk about the CTO. What interesting perspective could they add? Um, and and that's a, a quick, easy way. That's another you know a win-win. It gives you kind of some exposure within your company. Uh, and it gets you in front of a potential uh, new customer as well. Another way to create something that maybe there isn't going on, maybe there's not an industry event, maybe there's not an event in your environment going uh, in the next 90 days or so, you can create something. Look, I'm working on putting together a peer-to-peer event yep. with experts, right? Maybe maybe it's for you, Brian. I've got these financial people that are flying in. Uh, they're going to be here the third week in February. We're trying to get six six people within companies to join us for a pretty exclusive dinner. Um, we're going to give everybody a nice gift. Could you come join us for that event? That's you creating that. That's not the manager. That's not the marketing team. But I bet if you do that and you get six players there, marketing will support it. Your manager will let you expense the dinner. And you're going to get six great prospects in the room. If they won't do it, I can assure you a partner would do it. And 
nine out of 10 instances to get access to those people as well. So put the creative hat on and, and if there's nothing to, to call about that you have on a list of marketing events, create something like that. I bet if you got a dinner with six people the third week of February that uh, executive ABC will get on a plane and fly in and speak to those people. I 100% agree. I think the last thing to, to focus on here too is, and it depends on the level of seniority you you are, right? If if you are if you're junior and new in the tech sales industry, you're probably going to have very definitive goals. You need to make contact with X number of companies and arrange Y number of meetings. If you're more senior and you have a core uh, list of customers that's six customers, you probably don't have a goal of how many contacts you need to make or how many meetings you make. I, but I think regardless of where you fall in that spectrum, set yourself some aggressive goals. I had a, Bobby, there's a guy that you and I worked with um, for years um, out of Chicago, and, and he is probably early 50s, you know, a, a bit older than the two of us in sales. Absolutely does amazing year after year after year. Um, and one of the first things he told me as I came on uh, to Workday was be the number one, be the number one guy, be the guy that gets the most meetings. And I took it very seriously and very literally. And um, it, be that person in your company, on your team. You, you know, it may feel like, um, you know, I don't. Maybe it feels like brown nosing, whatever it may feel like. But the fact is, we all know what happens when you get in front of prospective customers and you set yourself aggressive goals. Uh, there's nothing but positive that comes out of it. Man, being number one feels good. And if it's if it's brown nosing, man, I'm a big brown noser Fine. because I always work hard to be number one. Whatever those goals are, 10 new contacts a month, five meetings, two dinners with CIOs, whatever it is, set them and beat them. Don't be average. We say it all the time. But here's a, here's a, a specific time and a specific activity that you don't have to be average at when everybody else is being average. Um so before we wrap up, I got to tell our listeners about Pigeon TV. That's P-I-J-N dot TV. Subscribers to Pigeon TV are entered in a weekly raffle for thousands of dollars in prize money. Why don't you tell us how it works? Yeah, these guys are going strong. Pigeon TV delivers short video content on a weekly basis that explains the insight behind a relevant emerging tech company. We love what these guys are doing. Uh, Phil Wilhelm was an early guest on the show. He's a great friend of the show. He and the Pigeon TV team uh, are kind of one-upping it for, I should say, two-upping it um, for the uh, TechSell show listeners. If you go to pigeon.tv, again, that's P-I-J-N.tv, subscribe. It takes 20 seconds to subscribe. And enter TSS in the promo code. You'll automatically get double the number of entries in their weekly raffle. Pigeon TV is the insight you need regarding emerging tech companies along with the prize money you deserve. Go subscribe today. So with that, let's wrap up the episode. Um, we were a little all over the map last week. Hopefully we reined some of that in. Uh, I, I teased a little bit our bookcast on New Cell Simplified that's going to be out in the next few days. Go listen to that as well. And next week we're going to dive into how to never stop more, how to never stop prospecting, keeping prospecting always top of mind with bunches of little tips and tricks well beyond what you've heard in the first two weeks. As always, average sucks. Average is the enemy. And thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Thanks, everyone. 
Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.